Welcome to the SWP podcast. My guest today is Jill Agus, Strategic Workforce Planning Manager at Jaguar Land Rover. Jill set to join our global launch event in London in November and take us through creating a job architecture, the journey of creating a job family framework. Welcome, Jill, and thanks for joining us. Hi, Nick. Great. Great to speak to you today. Thank you. Hey, um, I'm always interested in in our journeys into strategic workforce planning and um, you know, often it's something that, that finds us. We don't, well, in most cases, we don't seek to, to end up in, in SWP. So why don't you take us through your, your pathway, your journey into strategic workforce planning and how you arrived at where you are today? Great. Yeah, sure. And exactly that. Um, I think I, I listened to the recording with Chris and Alicia the other week. And exactly aligned to Alicia, I didn't come out of school thinking I want to be a strategic workforce planning manager. Um, so, yes, I think it did find me. Um, so I ended up in a bit of a convoluted route to get to strategic workforce planning. Um, at university, I studied studied economics and industrial relations. And from there, had a role as a buyer, initially in a first tier supplier in the automotive um, and then moving to Jaguar Land Rover. Um, and I think. Buying is a great role in terms of getting initial insight into understanding how organisations work. Um, So that was great experience. From there, I moved into a purchasing project management role within Jaguar Land Rover. So essentially, that role is making sure that the purchasing team do everything required to support delivery of a new vehicle going through from concept to production. And, and again, that, that knowledge and the interaction from that role in understanding how Jaguar Land Rover works and how we get from concept to launching a vehicle has been invaluable in applying that knowledge to strategic workforce planning and all the different roles we've got in the organisation. Um, from there, I went into a, a more general business management role within engineering, looking at resource um, and generally budget planning. Um, and then from there, I, I got much more interested in the details of workforce planning and then had the opportunity to, opportunity to move into HR in a strategic workforce planning role. Um, and that was about six years ago now. Um, and since then, we've been working to develop the framework that we apply for strategic workforce planning and some of the infrastructure we need to support it. Amazing. And, and so you've had a really detailed journey across the organization um and you're right i'm ex automotive and i remember um lots of lots of sort of long-term automotive people had spent time in that purchasing role how do you feel that 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 really good organizational view leading into your strategic workforce planning role has helped with with your role and, and how you think about sort of planning um for the whole organization yeah really so have an appreciation of the variety of skills and capabilities we've got in the organisation and understanding which ones are really critical to providing us with a competitive advantage in the marketplace. Um, and alongside that, those that are are really key in delivering our vehicles, but everybody's got them. Um, mm. And being able to take that nuance and then apply it to the workforce planning down, down to some of our roles, which are still vitally important, but we recognise we can train people relatively quickly to do them. So we do need to plan for all of those, 
but mm. we'll have a different approach as we as we go through that. Um, and yeah, just get, going back to the experience of being a purchasing project manager, that that did give me a lot of the insight and knowledge across the whole organisation and mm. the variety of things we do. Um, it's interesting. Some people say to me, you know, why have you stayed in the automotive industry so long for so long? Um, and I, I do think the automotive is automotive industry is quite unique in being very complex and having the high volume linked to it as well, which is distinct from white mod, white goods and the aircraft industry, you know, for manufacturing, one's low volume, one's high volume, but they don't have mm. that combination of high volume and complexity, which does make, you know, a, a very interesting environment to work in. Yeah. I think the automotive sector um, has been through a fascinating sort of period of automation in, in the time that you've been in it. If you... Have a listen to Raina Strack's um, legendary TED talk on the global workforce crisis, and he uses the, auto, the the example of how automation really only creates a further skills gap, as opposed to purely just solve a you know a, a workforce related gap. I think it's a, it's a really exciting industry to to have spent time in. Notwithstanding, you know, um, cars are just cool. <laughs> Let's face it; it's it's an exciting, it's it's a fantastic industry to be a part of for sure. Yeah, su- super cool cars, and you know, we've got some really super cool cars. So it's, it's great to abs- be a part of. That. You absolutely <laughs> do. You absolutely do. I'll be I'll be angling for a tour when I'm over there, Jim. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> Um, I'll see what we can do. <laughs> yeah, thank you, thank you. I might, I might, I probably need a car actually when I um when I land in London <laughs> to get around. Um, so what do you find most challenging about strategic workforce planning? Yeah, and and I think this question is is very unique to each organisation and how strategic workforce planning is being applied and how it's received. I think that the biggest challenge we've faced is is the shift from immediate short-term requirements to having a longer-term view. Um, so, and, and particularly even now, we're very much faced with, um, we've got a recruitment challenge, we're struggling, struggling to get enough people into the business um, and retain appropriate numbers of people in the business. Um, and, and it's that is that is driving the management, the senior management focus. Mm-hmm. So it it's pushing the kind the concept of yes, I know we've got all these issues here and now, but unless we start having a longer term approach, where you're never going to solve the here and now, mm-hmm. um, and you're just going to keep chasing the latest new thing. So it's really driving that mindset of being appreciative of the here and now and doing making sure we've got some immediate things in in place to address that. Um, but and then shifting the focus to be the long term, um, and we are making progress on that. But um, and and some of the data, the data that we're using is a key enabler there um, in making sure we can show long term what is likely to happen if we carry on doing what we're doing. It's a difficult cycle to break, and I think it's one of the reasons that a lot of um, strategic workforce planning methodology shifted to start to ask the question about the future state first. So I think historically we, we might have gone current state, future state gap analysis, so on and so forth. Um, but I think we end up in this cycle where we just analyse the current issues. And as you've highlighted, we we don't think about um, the fact that they won't be problems in 
you know, three, five, ten years' time. Um, so I think many of, of the contemporary ways of, of thinking sort of went, okay, well, let's think about the future first and then go back and just analyse current state versions of that so we focus our analysis on on what's relevant to the future as opposed to putting out the spot fires. It doesn't mean it's an easy cycle to break, though, because, you know, what keeps me up tonight and what I need to go and do at work tomorrow is a big factor in my life, right? It is, it is a big issue in everyone's daily lives. Yeah, the, here, the the tendency for the here and now to take priority is is too easy to fall into that trap. Um, so it's very much having the some of the data and the visibility of what the future will look like um, to kind of bring that future burning platform to bear mm. um, to focus people's minds on to on the future and what we need to do for the future, not just the here and now. Mm. Mm, absolutely. And what, what do you think underpins successful strategic workforce planning? So what, what, what would you say are the, some of the building blocks that you're having to put in place to, to facilitate that transition? And again, I, I think this is to some extent unique to each organisation. Um, for us in an engineering organisation, it's very much around starting to have the data available to support conversations. So, you know, four different skill sets and groupings. What is the attrition? What is the recruitment? Where are we recruiting people from? How long are they staying in the business for? And really starting to get into some of those nuggets of where we've got problems that we need to address in the future. Um, As an example, we, you know, traditionally our attrition has been very, very low, um, down to 3% for quite a number of years. For the whole business but that was really hiding some of the issues we had around specific skill sets where it was closer to 24 percent so starting to build up data around mm. that has, has been really useful in then driving different conversations yeah yeah and um it's difficult <laughs> to convince an engineer <laughs> of something without having the the data there isn't it <laughs> you're always going to get called out it, yeah Absolutely. And um, it, it's it's having that data and making sure people believe it. Um, so we've got to have good data uh, within mm. within reason. We know we're, it's, it's all about people. It's never going to be perfect, um, but yep. it's making sure it's good enough um, and valid enough that people will use it for decision making. Yeah, absolutely. Now, your session, um, I love it because it's, it's what uh, everybody needs. It's what everybody needs as far as a, a good strategic workforce planning effort is uh, as far as it's concerned. It's not often what everyone wants to do, wants to roll their sleeves up and do, um, and it's it's not often one that everybody knows how to do, you know. So I think it's, it's, it's really important that we start to sort of talk about, you know, the job family framework and the job architecture um, because whether you are – developing a strategic workforce plan, whether you're implementing a bit of software to, to use it, whatever you're doing, understanding how we group our roles, how we group like terms, to use a, a mathematical term in terms of workforce planning is really, really, really important. So take us through um, within what you're comfortable sort of talking about, where you're at with that, um, your presentation, uh, your keynote, and what you're hoping the um, delegates can take away from that. Yeah, we'll be 
I'll be talking through um, the job architecture that we developed for Jaguar Land Rover, um, going through how we approach that, um, different options we considered initially, and then how that um, evolved over time. Um, one of our, I guess, yes, it is completely fundamental in terms of supporting strategic workforce planning. I would completely agree. It is not the most exciting part of strategic workforce planning, but it's one of those key foundations, one of those key building blocks. Without it, you really struggle to make um, significant progress. I think the only the only exception you could argue in terms of organisations that might not need it is if they are so small, you can kind of see everybody you've got and then, OK, you might be OK. But as soon as you get past past uh, relatively small numbers, you need something to group roles together. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the, um, the session will talk about how we initially approached that, some of the key challenges we faced in, in doing that and how we overcame them. Um, and then talk about the benefits we're then um, seeing from that, how we're applying it and how we're continually evolving it. As most things, you know, nothing is set in time. Skills are changing. Technology is changing. How we organise is changing. And all of that impacts on the um, on the job architecture that we've created. Mm. Have you had... And I'm, I'm only saying this. It's a loaded question because I have this every day. <laughs> Have you had problems politically with with creating those job families and and you know which roles belong to which job families and functions? I, I guess it goes to who you've engaged in in the validation process and who you've led into the tent, so to speak. But has that has that come up at all? Um, yes, and I think that is where my previous experience and knowledge within Jaguar Land Rover. Um, in a very multifunctional role work, working across the organisation uh, within purchasing project management really came to bear mm. because I, I had the ability to say, you've got this role over here in, you know, demand supply. They're looking at, you know, components we're bringing into the organisation, how many we need. We've also got this role over here that's looking at vehicle supply. Actually, do you think they've got some similarities? And, you know, sometimes our immediate reaction would have been no. And then over a period of time, look, you know, trying to get into the detail of what those roles actually do, we did start to gain some commonality. And there was actually, yes, I think they are quite similar. Um, mm. And that's where we ended up um, in terms of still recognising that some of the, the knowledge required for some of those roles was quite different. But yeah. the actual core based skills underneath it was quite transient. Yeah. Um, and what a huge opportunity is if we, you know, could start to move some of those people around and the benefits for the organisation of having that cross-functional um, knowledge sharing and understanding for the, the whole of the supply chain. Mm. So, yes, we did have some interesting conversations, um, all, of, all, you know, challenging, good conversations and ultimately aided everyone's understanding of what we were trying to do. Mm, absolutely. Amazing. I think, um, you know, people go to conferences to learn. And I've, I've certainly, I've seen, you know, um, decision points and trade-offs from people sort of saying, well, do I do some training or do I, do I come to a conference? Um, obviously, the conference is a lot more fun. Um, but I think one of the things that, that can let people down when they come to events is they come to learn and 
you know, there's a whole lot of bells and whistles and they don't walk away with anything practical. So, you know, I love the fact that this event has any number of sessions that will have, you know, a, a few really, really decent key fundamentals that delegates can take away and say, right, well, this is an approach that's worked, um, you know, and here's here's what I've learned from this event. So I think it's it's a fantastic concept and I love the fact that that someone's presenting it. It's definitely happening in Asia Pacific. We've got people talking about skills taxonomies and 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 um, job architecture. So I'm I'm really really glad it's it's being delivered um, at at uh, at London at home by a a, um, a wholly a wholly owned UK organisation. I think it's a fantastic it's a fantastic story. Great, thanks. What um what what do you find sort of most, firstly, what do you find most interesting um, about SWP? And then we'll move on to, a, to another question about that. So, so what is it that you, that captured, captured your attention and, and, and sort of seen you stay in it for, for six years? What do you love about it the most? I think it, um, I love new ideas and new concepts um, and I like a bit of data. I'm quite mathematical at heart, so I do have that and liking a bit of data and equally like the um, the people side of it. Um, so I have done a psychology degree as part of Open University. So wow. that side of it um, is also I also find really interesting. And it's a bit of the whole combination of it, it's constantly changing. You know, you're never going to get it completely right. Um, and you have to evolve all the time accounting for different ideas that are coming in, sharing experiences with what other people are doing and learning from them. Um, and then the link to having that view of the whole organisation um, and thinking about the strategic direction of the organisation and then the people we need to deliver that and then starting to think about how do we get those in the business and how we set up for it. So it, it's got so many different tangents off from strategic mm -hmm. workforce planning. Mm -hmm. Um, it is, it's very complex in terms of making sure you keep it at the right level and don't run down too many rabbit holes. Um, and I find all of that intellectually challenging, interesting, and I'm still learning. And I'm yeah. probably learning for the, for the last day I'm in this role. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And that's, that's the beauty of it. We're, we're all, we're all learning. And I think, um, one of the, the really the most interesting themes that that I'm getting across, whether it's podcasts or just meeting with speakers around the world, is is there's lots of different ways to do this, and they're all you know they've all got merit. You know, there isn't a there isn't a rule book. There isn't a this is how you do it. There's a, a frameworks. There's methodologies. There's there's principles. There's rules of thumb. Um, but we can all learn so much from each other and in terms of those little gems that will help us sort of, you know, um, go and implement things back at, at, at our organisation. Um, yeah. Now, your, your core degree was in economics, which I think yeah. is, is fascinating. And I, I see, um, who have I seen? Well, I'm an engineer. Um, so that 
that there's there's a case study um, as you highlighted. I think Alicia's got a, a finance background. Um, Chris Hare's got an HRM and Ben background. Um, I've seen all sorts of different sort of backgrounds float through the space, um, and they've all got sort of value to add to different parts of, of SWP. How does your your core degree help you, um, especially in that sort of whether it's scanning the environment, whether it's understanding what some of those forces are that are that are acting on our organisation? It, it strikes me as a really really good grounding for strategic workforce planning do you find that you you use the concepts the principles in your role as a, as a, as a strategic workforce planner yes and and some of it is the, the the methodology um and the kind of the logical approach of taking the data analyzing it looking at it, reviewing it understand what's going on Mm. Um, and equally, you know, as we've recently had the much more shift from economics to behavioural economics, then having that overlay of it's it's not a straightforward logical right line yeah. of you change this in the in the economy and this is what people will do. People yeah. behave people behaviour is very is impacted by so many different things. Mm. So it, it's a bit of the combination of. Um, yes, the economics is useful, but equally the developments in econ- economics inside my degree and yeah. the link to behavioural economics um, is is really interesting and um, insightful in terms of how that then links in with strategic workforce planning. Absolutely. So, so you're sort of your background um, in economics and then the the sort of the psychology side of things combine to become really powerful. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I find that area very interesting and I'll often be listening to podcasts podcasts on behavioural economics and the like, yeah. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, so I'm, I'm really looking forward to this. I mean, we've had lots of lots of interactions over Zoom, but I'm really looking forward to, to meeting you personally, Jill. I'm looking forward to... Um, going on the journey with you of, of creating a, a job family framework and, and job architecture. Um, and I can't wait to, to sort of see this all unfold in November. Um, really looking forward to it. And thank you so much for, for joining the podcast. It's been really insightful and incredibly enjoyable. Great. Thank you. It's been really Thanks, good. Jill. I've enjoyed listening to the ones so far. Right. Fantastic. Yeah, there's there's a number, um, well, as you know, <laughs> about to drop um, <laughs> okay, pretty great. soon. So, yeah, yeah stay, stay tuned. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Beautiful. Beautiful.